Socrates, Ecclesiastes, and Katy Perry. (laughs) So today's message is going to be about our continued search for meaning, the book of Ecclesiastes. But what do Socrates, Ecclesiastes, and Katy Perry all have in common? I think they're all searching. They're all searching for meaning. Socrates, the great Greek philosopher in 400 BC, he said that the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. And that's what this series on Ecclesiastes is all about. The search for meaning, examining our lives and finding out for ourselves what gives our life, what gives my life, what gives your life meaning. You guys were great last week when I asked for text messages to the answer, what gives your life meaning? My phone was just going off and it was going, getting all kinds of answers. These are the answers that you guys gave when I asked you. What gives your life meaning? And um, George, can you put the slide? Okay, these are the things you guys replied. Family and friends, close friends. Jesus, God, faith, our church. These give my life meaning. Pets, dogs, particular animals were named. Um, I was like, who is this person? No, this is a dog. Okay, like pets. You know, they give you jobs, our work. And then I, I love this. Somebody actually commented a little bit fuller and said, the ability to do something and contribute, that gives my life meaning. Human agency, activity, being able to contribute to the good of someone else. And then retirement. Somebody said their life has meaning. Retirement gives their life meaning. I, th- I thought it was fascinating. Today is the second message in this series looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. And just if you missed last week, I'm going to give a very quick review about what we're doing with this book. This book is in the Old Testament. It's a part of the wisdom literature. And what's going on is that you've got this guy called the preacher, or in some uh, versions, he's called the teacher. And he's basically searching for meaning. He's non-linear. That's why I said all you engineer physics types out there, hold on, because it's not linear. He's stream of consciousness, and he's sort of journeying or meandering through lots of different topics. Is, is life about this? Is life about that? This word, hevel, shows up 38 times in the book. It's the most important word in this book. And it is translated as vanity. Everything is hevel. Everything is vanity. Some scripture is translated meaningless. Everything in life is meaningless. But it really means smoke. It's like things look like they are substantive. Job, possessions, riches, they look like they're substantive, but when you try to grab onto them, it's like trying to grab smoke. Hevel. It's smoke. And then he gets to the end of the book, Ultimate meaning is found in God. Ultimate meaning is found in God. 
And so that's where we're going with this book. That's what it's about. And I also gave one more emotional warning for the book. That this book, if you read it, it feels very depressing. And actually, just to warn you, spoiler alert, today it's going to sound like the guy's pretty weary. Because he's searching for all these, he's searching through all these things, and each thing comes up short. Each thing is hevel. Each thing is smoke. He can't really find meaning in his life. And so he feels very weary. But even in the passage today, there's a little bit of hope. He begins to point us towards our ultimate meaning is not in all these things. Our ultimate meaning really can only, only, only be found in God. So with that, let's turn to Ecclesiastes, and we'll pick up in chapter 1. I'll do the, uh, just briefly skip over um, different passages. But what I want to show you guys is that in these opening passages of Ecclesiastes, there's going to be five topics. You could call them five search topics, where the preacher is going to explore in very quick succession wisdom, pleasure, achievements, riches, possessions, and work. Are these places that will satisfy? Are these places that we can find our ultimate meaning? And what he's going to come up to is, uh, no, we're not going to be able to find that. But there is some hope at the end. So starting at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12, we're going to see these five search topics show up. It says this in Scripture. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun. It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, everything done on earth, and behold, all is hevel, all is vanity, meaningless, and a striving after wind. You know, this is an interesting term, striving after wind. It actually can also be translated feeding on the wind. It's like you're trying to eat the wind, but you can't be satisfied. So he goes on. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, right? This is the first great thing. That's why we send our kids to school. That's why we go to university. We get master's degrees. That's why we continue to study as wisdom. Maybe life's meaning is in wisdom. I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. And what he's saying is, he's not saying that wisdom is totally useless, but he's saying that ultimate meaning being found in wisdom is not where life's fulfillment is found. But also it's interesting, this was Socrates' pursuit. The unexamined life is not worth living. That was his pursuit, his pursuit of wisdom. Then it goes on, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, says, okay, well, maybe it's not wisdom. So he says, now at the bottom of the screen here, it says, I said in my heart, come now, come now, I will test you with pleasure, because wisdom doesn't work, I'll try pleasure. Enjoy yourself, 
But behold, this also was Hevel. And that didn't work. Pleasure, entertainment, frivolity. If you go on, it says, you know, that he just sort of engages in all this entertainment. But that's not really worth anything. So then if it's not wisdom and it's not pleasure, maybe it's through achievement. And so verse 4 picks up the stuff that he does. Can he find his fulfillment in the stuff that he creates and that he makes? He says, I made great works. This is the stuff that he built uh, in chapter, uh, in verse 4, please. The next slide. Verse 4 there. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. And now, not only with works, but he's also going to explore riches and possessions. And he says, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. And you have to remember, this is like 300 BC. So it's a different culture, different time. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and amassed huge mutual funds in my 401k. I amassed all of these riches, the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And also my wisdom, he's back to wisdom. My wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And then here he's kind of summing this up. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. And then verse 11 He's looked at wisdom, he's looked at activity, achievement, riches, and he says this. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil or the work I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was hevel and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Man, wow. This guy has lived everything. And so then he comes to this, uh, back to wisdom, verse uh, 15. Now, if you could skip down to verse 15 there. He says, then I said into my heart, what happens to the fool? He's like, he's been really wise. He's had achievements. He's had riches. And he says, what really happens to the fool will also happen to me. And he's asking, well, why have I been wise? As I said in my heart, this also is hevel or vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. Okay, so if you're not depressed at this point, this is the point of depression. 
because he's like, well, I started with wisdom. That didn't, no, that's not so great. I built some stuff. That was kind of cool. That wasn't pleasure. That wasn't so great. I amassed a lot of money. That wasn't great. So maybe it's back to wisdom. Oh, but you know what? Whether you're smart or dumb, we all die. So I don't know. Why even be smart? You know, what's the point? What's the point? So I love this verse. I, I love verse uh, 17 here because he goes, so I hated life. Now, as I was studying this, I was like, no kidding. Like, so I hated life because everything under the sun is meaningless. It's heaven. It's smoke. And that's what he's doing. He's journeying through all these things, searching for meaning and, ex- and, and experiencing all this stuff. And he doesn't come up with anything. I'm like, okay, so dude, at this point, dude, you need a timeshare and you need to go on like vacay for like three weeks. I know, pleasure, you already discounted that, but dude, just go on vacation, okay? So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after a wind. So then he says in 22, he begins to explore his toil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart of which he toils beneath the sun? Now, if you are working right now and you are working like 70, 80 hours a week and you're really frustrated with your job, your manager, or what you're doing, maybe you're a student in school and I know school just started, but you're like, oh my gosh, school is such a drag. This this line is for you. What has a man from all the toil, what has a woman from all the work and striving of heart, which he toils and she toils and works beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is hevel, or smoke, striving after a wind. Now, sometimes people will say, well, I don't know. Maybe the Bible doesn't have anything relevant for me. But there are tons of people that I talk to that are struggling at work or burned out with life or feeling like maybe their life is meaningless. And I know this is kind of hard. This is kind of like poetic language. And maybe this might be a little hard to access for you. But what I'm saying here is that Scripture, I believe, actually speaks to us today. And if there's anybody out here at GRX, either listening right now, or maybe you guys are here, and you're feeling like you're kind of on the edge of like, man, I'm just like hating life. There is a word of hope And this message will end up with a word of hope about what we might be able to do. Now, just to summarize, the slide that I showed at the front was this guy is searching for meaning. And he's searching in all these different places. Wisdom, pleasure, achievement, riches, possessions, and work. Ultimate meaning for his life is not going to be found in these places. And I would just propose to you that if you're in a place where you're feeling like you're kind of hating life, perhaps you might be searching for ultimate meaning in one of these places or maybe in another place that's apart from God. It's not to despair. What I love about Ecclesiastes and what I love about Socrates and even what I love about Katy Perry is that all of these people are authentically searching 
for the meaning of life. What is life really about? How do we really examine our lives? How do we really find out what we're supposed to be about here? What is true meaning? So we've looked at Ecclesiastes. I told you that Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. So now let's turn to a little Katy Perry. I've become a Katy Perry fan over the last year. So you guys will get a little Katy Perry from me this morning. This is a music video that uh, she's performed in, in various places. I want you to look at this and see what do you think it's saying about the meaning of life and what do you think Katy Perry is going through as she uh, sings and dances her way through this video. So, are we ready? To go? If you want to dance, by the way, it's very danceable. You can stand up and dance if you want to. Liars, time is ticking for the empire. The truth that feed is feeding. 
All right, so where's the hope? Right? We're all chained to the rhythm. Maybe you feel chained to something. And maybe you're looking for meaning, and maybe it's not found there. So he ends up with this in Ecclesiastes. Verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, meaning apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? I'll just, just keep that slide right there, um, the, the last slide. Because I think this is where he's going for it. This is the hope. This is the hope. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? And if I was going to summarize this in searching the whole world for what gives meaning, the good life consists in eating and drinking, finding satisfaction in work. All these things are gifts from God. It's the simple things that come to us from the hand of God. But it's recognizing that the things that come to us, these simple things, food, drink, work, are not things of themselves that will give us meaning. That these simple things have meaning when we acknowledge that they come to us from God. I've been talking about how there's this, uh, there's this sort of struggle between the culture and the Christian life. And George, can you put up the slide two from that one? Yes. The culture versus the Christian life. And this is what Ecclesiastes is struggling with. The culture versus the Christian life. And I would say within our culture, there's another struggle between gain versus gratitude. What is the meaning of life? Is it the culture and gain, or is it the Christian life and gratitude? Because what the culture is saying, our culture, is this is where you really get the meaning from life. You maximize your wisdom. You maximize your possessions. You maximize your resume, your achievements. You maximize your riches and your 401k. And if you gain and you gain and you gain, that is where you will find your meaning in life. But the Christian perspective is very different than that. And what Ecclesiastes is saying, hey, it's the simple things that come to us from the hand of God. And so it's not about gain, but it's about gratitude. And then when we engage in those other things, going to school and gaining wisdom or experiencing entertainment and seeing a movie or going and enjoying good food or going to our places of work and building something. All of that is not for the purpose of consuming those things and gaining, but all of those things come to us as gifts And our posture is not consumption, but gratitude. Our posture is not gaining, but our posture is thankfulness 
for those things that come to us from the hand of God. You know, a real practical example, and I know people here at GRX, they practice this. Other Christians, they practice this. It's a very simple expression is saying grace before meals, before you eat, giving thanks to God and just saying grace. So here are a couple of things. Here are a couple of things. And especially if you're feeling like, man, what is the meaning of life? I'm just hating life. Here are a couple of things that we could try this week. I would say, one, appreciate the simple things. Food, drink, work. These are from the hands of God. And it's God's gift that we get to see them as gifts to us. Something that we can do to appreciate the simple things, we can give thanks before a meal. Just before you dive in and hork down all that great food, you can just pause and give thanks. You may thank God for the hands that prepared that meal. It's just very simple. God, thank you for water to drink. Thank you for the food that's here. Gratitude for the simple things. You know, at work, your workplace, and there might be incredible struggle that you have at work. This can change your posture. This can change your perspective. You start each day at work going, Lord God, thank you for work, for agency, for power, for the capacity to contribute and to work and to build something. Right? Thank you for that. Now, this might be really foreign to you because you might not be a follower of God at all. You might not be a follower of Jesus. And you might be here and even just wondering, like, does God even exist? Then to give thanks, that might feel really foreign. So let me encourage you to do this. I would ask you to simply examine your life, like what Socrates asked us. And I would ask you to reflect on what gives your life meaning. I mean, what really gives your life meaning? What really deep down you are holding on to? And just explore for yourself whether it's worthwhile to form your life around it. Can you derive ultimate meaning from that? Because what I'm suggesting is that whatever that is, if it's not God, what you'll find is hevel, something that looks like it's solid, but it's really smoke. And I'd really like you to encourage, I'd really like to encourage you to see and test if who God is, is worthwhile. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this season of exploring I know that there are a lot of people out there exploring what is the real meaning of life. And not just in a philosophical or esoteric way, but what does my life mean? Where do I really derive meaning from my life? God, I thank you that you fill our lives with good things like family and friends and work, pets. God, I thank you for all these things. But God, may they not become for us the ultimate thing. And may we instead see all these things that are good in our lives as simple gifts from you. 
And might we be people that are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.